All right, you are now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 164. This took us a couple days to do. We had some technical difficulties, but bear with us through this episode. We cover everything you need to know, NBA draft, free agency, trades, and you know you get my reaction to the Benedict Arnold of basketball, Montrez Harrell. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, give me that intro music. Excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt like Mount Vesuvius. I'm about due to erupt. Use it or I'm losing it. They say I need to loosen up. Tight, I'm well taught. I must do the max like us. I do have something to say, so you got to give it up. Give it up. You never heard What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 164. Uh, we're a couple days late. I had to do some renovations at the Clips Castle. You might hear some different acoustics in the crib because now I got – I like to call it parquet, but it's not parquet. But I got no, the I got, <laughs> I got the hardwood floors, the new okay. paint. We were just redoing the whole crib. It's going to look really nice. So we're a little behind. Uh, we have a lot to cover today, tonight, and I think it's it's only right to start with Clay first, Drew, because this was um, this was just devastating. It broke my heart to hear that Clay got hurt again. I mean, we didn't hear really what it was until later in the day. We just heard it was a lower leg injury. They're going to run some tests, but it didn't look good. That was the quote. It doesn't look good. And then it turns out that he tore his Achilles, and that's going to be another season without Clay. Uh, we know we've been watching his progress and seeing how hard he's been working to come back. And, you know, it's one thing with the ACL, right? Cause there's been so many new, uh, you know, ways to, to help people come back from ACL surgery. I know what it's like. I've done it twice. It's not, it's not easy at all, but with the medical doctors now, like you can get, come back from an ACL. A lot of players do. Right. But then coming back from ACL to tearing, the, the Achilles, those are two totally different things. And um, and this is the day before the draft, correct? Like it was the day before the draft? Or no, after the draft. It was the day of the draft. Of the it, draft. Was, it, happened, it happened on the draft day. And yeah, he was playing a pickup game in LA, one of the runs, maybe even at UCLA, um, but probably not because of COVID. So, but pro- you know, he was he was at these runs where it, every off season in LA, this is what happens. Gyms open up. Same thing happens in New York, but a lot of people flock to Los Angeles. And of course, Clay is antsy to play. It's been well over a year. When the news broke, I, I was really hoping it was you know maybe a calf strain or significant ankle, maybe maybe some sort of ligament damage in the ankle, which is obviously still troublesome. For it, but for it to be a a torn Achilles. It's like literally the worst case scenario. You'd rather have a broken bone in your leg than have a, a torn Achilles. You know what I mean? And we're all very excited because we we've been talking like the 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 Warriors are going to come back with a full fully healthy squad. They got a number two draft pick. Uh, they got a couple more pieces, and and we were just really excited. The Warriors were going to be a contender in the Western Conference and a strong Western Conference, and that's just devastating, man. And you were kind of bringing up. Uh, something we, we had spoke about before the pod about, you know, the draft pick that they had. And we all were kind of – we all had Wiseman at two going to the Golden State Warriors. A lot of us did. I didn't see anything I, – I didn't see anything crazy from any journalists or writers saying something different. For, for, for Clay's injury to have happened on draft day, not only is it devastating and, you know, all those things to Clay personally, but to the franchise – 
you know, they were pretty set on drafting James Wiseman as they did with the number two overall pick. But having that happen, like if, if, if Clay would have done this the day before and they would have found out that he was gone for the season, I think there's a really strong chance that they would have, they might have decided to draft differently. Um, now, granted, nobody in this draft is going to be able to just come in and immediately replace Clay. You know what I'm saying? Like that just is, that that player isn't in this draft. And if he would, if he was, he would have been the number one overall pick. Um, but if you look at their second round draft pick, this kid Jessup out of Boise State, who's some people are saying that he's uh, kind of similar to Duncan Robinson in the way that he plays. He's got he's a long, you know, six seven shooter, loves to move off the ball, come off screens, catch and shoot guy. The Warriors take him in the second round, and I have to assume that that was only because they, they got some serious news from the doctors. Clay had already been visited at that point, and they just didn't release the information. I mean, because if you tell your, your Achilles, you're going immediately to the hospital. It's not like they have to wait 24 hours to find out that it's torn. MRI happens quickly, so probably by the time the draft was taking place is when they got that news confirmed to them, or at least maybe in the second round, confirmed that he was going to be out for the you know, the entire season and, you know, this, this could be a career ending injury. Could. Like that's, I think that's the saddest part about this is that clay, you know, if healthy, you would imagine has at least, you know, three, four, five more years of relative prime where he's, you know, if he stays in this, in the same shape as someone like JJ Redick, for instance, that guy's still contributing at, at the same level he has been for the last, I don't know, eight seasons, Kyle Korver, for instance, being one of the longest tenured players in the NBA, you can imagine clay, having a career along those lines. Um, and now it's just like, well, shit, I mean, will he play basketball again? Uh, but, you know, that does ne- that's neither here nor there because they didn't have that information before the draft. And they, I think they still made the right draft pick for Definitely. the franchise in selecting James Wiseman. It plugs a hold, uh, you know, it's a pretty big hole that they plug there with uh, rim protection at, at a really great price in comparison to – what a center of that kind of caliber would draw on the NBA. So I think, you know, it just it would it just would have been interesting, and I think the timing had to had to have pressured Bob Myers and and the front office to to make some sort of draft pick that they weren't necessarily intending to. But I can't imagine waking up to the news of that, especially having to go through draft day, you know, just a matter of hours later. Well, you know, it's a few things I thought about. I thought about Derrick Rose almost immediately, right? Because talk about back-to-back, you know, catastrophic injuries. And and I guess you can look at it from a standpoint that Derrick Rose has come back and become quite a good quite a good player. But he was much younger when Very those injuries true. happened. Very true. And then I also thought about, well, Clay also got three chips, and he's going to go down as one of the greatest – you know, shooters of all time. Like there was a really good run. I don't want to, I don't want to dog the situation and, and act like Clay Thompson's never going to come back. But in the NBA, the shit moves fast and the players, the players get younger and faster, man. And, and missing two years of playing professional basketball with an up-tempo team. Yeah. You can come back and be a shooter. I, you know, I totally agree with you, but we just saw like with KD that, you'd never lose that jumper. Like coming into that finals game, he hit those first three three three-pointers and then that first move he made to the basket, it was a wrap, right? And I think you have to be very, very, very cautious with Achilles. You know what I mean? Like you got to make sure you're 110% ready to come back. So I think that's an interesting thing too, is I, I think Clay can look at Kevin this season, Kevin Durant and go, let's see how Kevin does after this sort of injury. But Kevin also didn't come off an ACL. 
Of you course. I mean? No, of course. But, but I mean, I think for Clay, I think he, he clearly felt back to normal if he was running full court pickup games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and uh, you assume he had the blessing of the Warriors to be doing that. So I would assume that he probably, maybe not mentally, but physically was over that ACL injury and ready to be at, you know, playing at NBA levels. Mm-hmm. So I think he probably, I mean, that's probably the way that I would do it is you just got to, you have to forget that the ACL thing happens. You have to focus on this new thing and just try and put your head down. And I think if Kevin plays well, if Kevin can return to, you know, 90% of what he was uh, before his, uh, before the Achilles injury, that's got to be a really big boost of confidence for Clay. And he must, I would imagine he's going to look at that for motivation. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to talk about the Warriors later in the show, but we might as well just talk about it now. Like, what does this mean for the, for the Warriors uh, moving forward? I mean, they did still make some pretty damn good moves. Not, not only with Wiseman, who I think has a huge upside. I mean, dude, 7-1. Uh, he's a legit center, super physical, active around the rim, loves to block, block shots. He's going to help them immediately, right? But now, like I posted a picture of their starting five last night, and, you know, they got Ubre, who, you know, went to like seven different teams this week, and we're going to get into free agency and trades here in a little bit. But they picked up Ubre. You still got a superstar in Steph Curry. You got Draymond Green. You got Wiseman. You got uh, uh, Wiggins, right, who I'm just tired of people dogging on him. And we used to dog on him a lot, but the guy can score buckets. Now, Max Kellerman this morning brought something up, though, that was that was pretty interesting. What you're losing with Clay is you're losing the shooting, right? So in, in today's NBA, you need it's a shooter's league. Like, you need shooters. And Wiggy, Wiggins is not a good shooter. Uh, Ubre is not a good shooter. Obviously, backpack Draymond is not a good shooter. So that's where they're going to be lacking. I think they can make up for it, like, in points. Like, Wiggins can still get his 22, 24, or whatever. But – it's those, it's those threes, man. It's, it's those threes. So when I posted the picture last night, I said there's still going to be a problem. Like, I don't think the Warriors aren't going to make the playoffs or compete uh, in the top of the Western Conference, even though that top is getting just better and better, you know, with Denver, with Dallas, and coming off, you know, their worst season in a while. You know, they were the worst team in the NBA last year. What, what is this going to mean for the Warriors? I mean, do they have a shot? Do they have a force? Do they, can they get a four seed? Are they better than Utah and Dallas? You know, what yeah. do you think? I mean, I, I think it's – I think the – the idea of, of the Warriors with Clay coming in and being a real contender was was truthful. I mean, there's no way you could count them out uh, with that, with those three guys, you know, Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the additions that they have with Wiggins and Wiseman and, and you know, some of the other moves that we expect them to make. They still have some uh, relatively large trade, trade exception that they used on Kelly Oubre to get him there. Uh, I think getting Oubre was, was positive. I think it was, you know, kind of a scramble move. But I think it addresses the immediate issue of having a, a starter level caliber wing out there. And I think honestly, more than the shooting, they're going to miss Clay on the defensive end. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Max is right. Yes, he's one of the best shooters in the NBA, but you still have Steph, who's the best shooter in the NBA. And Ubre last year, I think, shot close to 36, 37% from three. Granted, that was his best season of his career, but still, he, if he can provide you know, a, a, a 33 to 37% three-point shooting, that's not going to be a huge drop-off uh, from what Clay gives you. So I think, I think they did a great job of, you know, assessing what happened and trying to figure out how to, how to you know, patch up the dam, if you will, before everything just breaks through. Uh, but I, you know, with the team as it's constructed now, you can't really expect them to do much more than maybe kind of squeak into the playoffs. Now, the fun part of this, and I think something that's interesting, is last season going into the season, 
this was essentially the same exact scenario for the Warriors. So it, they're not new to this because last year they knew Clay wasn't going to be there and they were like, all right, we're going to feature Steph. Um, and, you know, I think, I think this could be a great season for Steph. It could be the season where, um, you know, similar to what the Suns now have with Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker, where you just have Steph become Devin Booker for this year. You just say, all right, we want you jacking 25, 30 shots a game and just go be you. And, and they're going to try and, you know, filter everything through him. And I don't think Steph is too, you know, is, is too far past his prime to make that happen and lead the league in scoring, for instance. I think that's a real thing that he can do. Uh, but of course, you know, that, that will be dependent upon him staying healthy, which has been a struggle for him in the last two seasons. So I think, you know, best case scenario, the Warriors and this team, they bond, uh, you know, curve develops some more plays for the, for the roster that they have. And they, they make a, you know, eight, seven, eight seed, six. I think that's probably the best that they can hope for. I think that's fair too. I think they can do it as well. I, I, I'm really excited to watch Wiseman though. I think he immediately stepping on the court is going to, especially if he learns some shit from Draymond too, how to set a screen, you know, uh, they could definitely use him on the defensive end. I think he's going to be a major problem. Uh, let's get into draft night. Okay. Yeah. Cause dra draft night was wild. Um, <laughs> it was also wild because on our page, like, I was just getting hit up all night. Like, every pick, I'm getting DM, DM, DM. I just wanted to kick back in my new crib and just, like, watch this, but hit up every single minute, right? And I'm trying to respond to everybody. And, you know, we were all kind of up in the air with one, two, three, or not – basically one. We were – you had Anthony Andrew Edwards at one, though, if you wanted uh, – if it was your pick. Right. I would. I mean, for our draft and for just who I think might mm -hmm. might turn out to be the best player and mm -hmm. the best fit, I actually also would have gone with Obi Toppin, who, okay. is who you drafted first. Right. But I think I think if we were being more realistic with it and not mm -hmm. just choosing from you know what we view as the, the best fit, uh, I do think Anthony Edwards was I think the, the best pick that they they could have made if they were going to just take number one. And I think I, the, I think Minnesota did a good job with that. I was so turned off with his comments though, bro. Oh yeah. I, couldn't, I could not believe what this guy said. And I don't, that's like the, the worst thing you could like, I'm so he's asked, like, do you, uh, do you still watch basketball? And he's like, no, nah, I'm not really into it. Like, you're not really into it. You're not really into basketball. No, I'm into football. And if you should see his football highlights, cause they are absolutely ridiculous. The guy was a beast, but you're about to go all in millions of dollars for the number one pick in this draft. And yes, he's extremely talented. We, you know, there's a few things that you know, shot selection that we were talking about. Uh, on that last pod, but I thought the comments were really odd to me. Right. And it's like, that's not what I want to see from my number one pick. What I want to see from my number one pick is exactly how Obi Toppin uh, acted. Right. And I think this is the first piece of good luck. The Knicks has the Knicks have had in a long time is having Obi fall to eight. And I was so shocked that he was taken at eight. So two things shocked me. One, Obi dropping to eight, and we'll talk about Obi in a sec, but Patrick Williams at four was a shock, dude, right? I yep. thought that was the farthest reach, right, out of any team to do that. Now, when you look at his interviews and all this stuff, that's a good kid, right? Like, damn, this is a really good guy. Comes from a good family. He's a workhorse, and yeah, he's going to be good. But you don't spend that fourth pick on him. Do you agree? Totally. I think uh, that to me, it was so funny because that was so shocking. I was not ready to see his name be called. 
And I think the one thing that the ESPN broadcast didn't do a good job of is reacting to the picks. I think as I was watching, I was like, someone's got to say this was, this was not expected. But I mean, I guess a couple people, like Bill Simmons predicted that he would go fourth, but he even admitted really? that he was just, yeah, he, but he admitted later that he was just joking around, like kind of just kind of throwing one out there and it, and it hit and it landed. Um, and so I just, I totally agree with you. I was shocked at that. I had him going, you know, more into the late lottery. Mm-hmm. Um, if I would have, if I would have put him anywhere, but look, the kid is, you know, kind of the quintessential NBA player. He's what is he? Six, nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a wing. He's got a decent jumper on him. He can jump, he can defend. Um, and Chicago is where he ended up going at four and they're all young guys there. So they just have like a really nice core of young players. Again, they're adding to that mix. Uh, it provides another viable option for someone to step up if they do end up trading Zach Levine or if they trade Wendell Carter or, or Laurie Markkinen or any of those top prized assets that they have. This guy can be maybe not a starter right away. You wouldn't expect him to get starter level minutes this year, but in two, three years, he could be you know something similar to maybe a Pascal Siakam or something like that. Um, and so I think you know there's what I remember saying the most and thinking the most of this draft is that I would, I expected there to be kind of shocking picks like this uh, because each team would have evaluated this group of players that is very similar. If you look at them, no one really standing out. And I, and I was not surprised that I was ended up being surprised by one of the picks, you know, because when, when teams have this like just broad view, they start to hone in on the guys that they think can actually deliver the guys that fit their system. And look, as far as, you know, as far as like uh, being a good guy goes, I don't. I, he might be the best guy in this draft right. as far as like being a good guy. Um, and uh, yeah, but I was still shocked. I thought for sure they could have taken you know Denny Avdia, Obi Toppin. Obi. <laughs> no, obviously Obi Toppin, but like Isaac Okoro, like all of these other guys that were kind of in that conversation. Um, I definitely had him way above Pat, Patrick Williams. So, so I had just I, out of the lottery picks, out of the fourteen, I put just. Uh, winners and losers basically uh, with a couple of these guys. Right. And obviously I have winning like Nick's Obi Toppin. You're going to New York. That's where you're from. <laughs> Another power forward, by the way. I I, okay. So that's, a, so that's the myself. first homie. That's the first thing I said. And I posted like <laughs> they're on our Twitter or whatever. I'm like, cool. Now they have nine power forwards. Right. 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 Which is awesome. But they dropped, they dropped Bobby Portis. So they're that they, they lost one and they, and they brought one in. So. Which is, and he's going to do great there. <laughs> you know what you're going to get from Obi. He's going to come in another guy like Wiseman. That's going to be, you know, uh, impactful as soon as he steps on the floor he's going to be great for new york i'm glad they got him little did i know that his pops was dunker's delight streetball legend court kings did you know this how did i not know this only found out what through the broadcast when they were talking about it i i was so shocked with that so i said winning with that losing with patrick williams and the bulls that's just i just cannot still can't believe that and hopefully he proves us wrong right and then I, i i put winning next to uh the kings with tyrese halliburton getting him at 12 right which I thought is going to be great, great for them. He's a good kid, good player. Um, l- losing for the Suns, Jalen Smith at 10, right? You got DeAndre Ayton there. Why would you bring in another big, right, with that 10th pick when you can use shooting and scoring, anything else but another big man, right? Yeah. Um, I, think, I, think the, I think the Suns were probably looking at someone like Isaac Okoro. I feel like what happened to the Suns is their first guy or their second guy got taken and then they panicked and they were like, all right, let's just go with Jalen Smith. And, and in all fairness to both Patrick Williams and Jalen Smith, 
those guys are going to be solid players. I mean, as long as they're healthy, they have the skill set and the, you know, the athleticism to be relevant. And I think, you know, for, for Jalen Smith specifically, his range, his shooting range mm-hmm. is pretty spectacular. Uh, and, you know, so I think coming off the bench, uh, my guess is they're, they're looking to fill the backup spot that they don't want necessarily want to pay Aaron Baines a significant amount of money. Who's and probably so, going to get it in the next couple of days from somebody. Somebody's going to give it to him. So, yeah, I think that's probably what they did. And my guess is for sure that they were thinking, all right, maybe we'll snag a Coro at 10, uh, but he goes to the Cavs. I think that's a – I honestly – I think that's a very weird pick for the Cavs. Um, at five, Isaac Okoro, that was, the, that was the second in a row that I was surprised to see go, number one, that high. But number two, to a team that seems to only have point guards and centers now. Like, do they have any wing players on the Cavs? They have, like, five point guards. They have, like, four power forwards and centers. And that's, that's what they got. It's just – it shocked me that, uh, you know, I guess they still got Seti Osman over there. Uh, but it shocked me that, you know, some of the glaring things that they needed were, were help on the wings and help scoring. And Okoro's a good player. Yeah. But he's, he's kind of similar to Colin Sexton. Like, I don't – I just don't see it. And he's similar to Darius Garland. Right. The guy that they drafted him last season. I just – Maybe that's, that one, why, that maybe one that's why the shocking. Bulls and the Cavs are always uh, in the lottery. Shitty, for yeah. Making these, <laughs> for making these these picks. Yeah. Um, I also had winning for the Celtics. Aaron Naismith, they got the best shooter in the draft at 14. This is why you do the combines. This is why you do the workouts and you don't refuse them. This guy does his workouts. He hits 91 out of 103 pointers in his workout. Shows it. And, and Matt Babcock on our show said he's the best shooter in the draft. So for him to be 14, I think his stock rose for doing those workouts, right? So I thought yeah. that was a win. Um, our boy R.J. Hampton at 24 to the Nuggets was a win. The Nuggets get another young young guy that they're going to just, you know, put in their farm system and just grow, right? Like the Nuggets are getting better every single year. And then, of course, we got to bring up Malachi Flynn. Uh, Raptors got him. That's a win for the, for the Tampa Bay Raptors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who's going to be their name. If you guys didn't know, Tampa Bay will be starting off the – or excuse me, the Raptors will be starting off uh, this this season in Tampa since they're the Canadian border laws, which should be really interesting. Drew brought up a good point. Like, why didn't they just go to the bubble? And, like, yeah. that's still got to be around, right? Like, like nope. could have stayed in Orlando. They got three gyms. They could have they could have moved it around. They have the infrastructure there. Mm. Um, no, man, I think uh, as far as the Nuggets go, they also drafted – my boy from Arizona, Zeke Naji, mm-hmm. um, who is – I'm telling you guys, if, for, for all those that have not heard or watched Zeke Naji play, he is a very good basketball player. Uh, he's a, he was a little – I would I don't want to say soft, but maybe a little timid. Um, and obviously from what Matt said and from the reports on, on his height and weight, he has put on some serious pounds, which he desperately needed. Uh, so – the Nuggets now have an auxiliary option. So if Jeremy Grant, you know, decides that he doesn't want to play there anymore or someone else offers him a shit ton more money, they have him, Zeke Naji, waiting in the wings. And then, of course, R.J. Hampton, who I think is, you know, just about as promising as any guard in this, in this draft. Were you, were you necessarily surprised LaMelo went three to, to Jordan and, and, and Charlotte? Um, no. I wasn't surprised. either because you kind of had to – I was actually really surprised because I had him in my draft – dropping because I thought those interviews went bad I think there was a lot of like uh questions uh, obviously defensively but from all the people I was listening to and obviously we've been watching him I know how talented Lumelo Ball is he's definitely the best passer in the draft and he has a huge upside they're upside meaning they don't really know right like you just don't know yet until he goes out there and plays 
it's just funny about the LeVar and the Michael Jordan thing. At some point, that one-on-one is going to happen. You know that, right? That's like, a lose-lose for Michael. He's not going to ever do that. He's yeah, never going to do that. I just think it happens. They no. need – dude. No, because if LeVar scores a single point on Mike, he's not – he's going to just say – like, that's going to be a win for LeVar. You think Michael Jordan would let LeVar Ball score a point? There I don't think no he's going to – they're not going to play one-on-one. Oh, man. It's not going to happen. All There's, I know is – Mike has too much pride. He I, would never. Okay. Us fans want to see it, though. Of, okay? of course I would. I would watch that, definitely. I'll tell you one thing. There will be no – there will be no side lip in Michael Jordan from LeVar Ball at all. He better keep his damn mouth shut the whole time there. And you know what, dude? Let's give props to LeVar, too, okay? You got two of your – you said your boys were going to be in the NBA. Those are two t- – the first brothers ever to go top five. It, it really happened, dude. He made – he created these players. It's too bad for Jello because he's never going to get his shot, unfortunately. He might be G League Jello for a long time because I don't think he's good enough to go to the pros. And he probably feels horrible, right? One fucking mistake that you make, right, dictates the rest of your life. And, and you know, that one bad decision – and this goes for everything, not even in basketball. you got to think these decisions through. One bad decision can really just turn, turn you for your life. And he's just looking back like, damn, my brothers are two, two lottery picks in the NBA, and I'm going to be the guy carrying the bags, homie. He's going to be banging the side pieces that don't that Melo and, and, and Lonzo don't want. You know, he's going to be that guy. Uh, yeah, I think I think unfortunately for him though, like he was the one that wasn't blessed with being six 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 mm-hmm, seven, mm-hmm. and I think that's the thing that really is keeping him out of the league. Obviously, his skill level and skill set for his size is the problem more than you know, uh, you know, a, a petty larceny thing that he did in China four or five years ago. It's the fact that he's just not good enough and he's right. not big enough. He's not strong enough. He's not quick enough. He's, he's not as athletic enough. If he had, you know, some more of that semblance of skill that LaMelo has or some of that more raw athleticism that Lonzo has, he might have been in the NBA. And who knows, bro? Who, I mean, who are we to sit here and say he won't ever get on a team, uh, especially when you, when you have two brothers in the NBA that are going to garnish, you know, probably, hopefully, for, for Lonzo and LaMelo's sake, they're going to garnish some pretty heavy requirements to stay there. So, like, I – and especially with LeVar working in the background, I'm not going to count out seeing Jello in a uniform. We just know for a fact that he probably is never going to start a game in the NBA or do anything of any substance – like, substantial uh, contributions mm-hmm. uh, to, a, to an NBA team. But don't I, – I, for, for everything that I've known about LeVar in the last couple of years, that motherfucker is probably on the phone with Mike right now saying jello is is the perfect practice squad guy get him on the last man on your bench uh you need him there for moral support he'll watch out for Melo. Like, uh, but as far as this draft pick goes i wasn't surprised that Melo goes to charlotte uh, but i think this one in particular is going to be vital for michael jordan there will be no one who's rooting for Lamelo's success more than michael jordan because his draft picks his history is a goddamn train wreck. It's a dumpster fire. And he has to have this one land. Uh, now, granted, Kemba. if it does Sure, okay, yeah. Hey, but I, think, I, don't think that, I don't think Kemba was in the top one, two, or three, or five. I mean, and he let Kemba go, so it, that doesn't matter too much. I, I mean, I think when it comes to taking swings on draft picks, Mike has never connected. He, so has, right. he has continued to struck out, strike out. So I think for him there's going to be a lot of motivation to prove that this was the right guy. And I think that what that's going to do is it's going to, it's going to let LaMelo handle the ball. Well, I also, like he's going to come right in and, and 
Fuck Terry Rozier. Fuck Devontae Graham. It's going to be LaMelo who's going, to give the, who's going to be given the chance. And I think that will be a very interesting thing to see play out, especially when LaMelo has a 12 turnover game. Well, yeah, that too. That will happen 100%. Yep. But also I think Mike's looking at this from a business standpoint. Who's going to put asses on the seat and who's going to get us on TNT when we're playing games? And I want to watch LaMelo play. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of the <clears throat> same thing with New Orleans. Like, I really didn't like – I didn't tune into the Pelicans when it's, when it's Rondo and AD. You know, I mean, that's cool, but I, I want to watch Melo. Like, I'll turn into the, to the Nets versus fucking Charlotte. You know what I mean? Like, Melo's definitely going to put fans in the seat. There's going to be some, some star power behind it. We still don't know who gave him the Rolls Royce before draft did you see that three hundred thirty thousand dollar whip like was it michael who the hell was it was it lonzo does lonzo have bread like that like it's three hundred thousand dollars so we know lonzo has more than that i know but for cars Um, it's a horrible investment it certainly wasn't it certainly wasn't lavar because lavar don't have no 300k that bbb is going to be in bankruptcy (laughs) bankruptcy that's what they're going to be in (laughs) BBB is going to be a bankruptcy. <laughs> um, anything else from that draft that you take away? I mean, Cole Anthony was good too. I like that. I think uh, he went too high. I think Cole Anthony went too high. I especially think he's going to eat into um, Markel Fultz's minutes, and Markel Fultz is light years ahead. As mm-hmm. bad as Markel Fultz has been, he's light years ahead of Cole Anthony, who's going to have problems scoring with his size. Unless he turns himself into fucking Fred Van Vliet, mm-hmm. uh, he's going to have some issues. Like the, the 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 struggles that he ran into at North Carolina playing against ACC players mm-hmm. is is doubled when you get into the NBA. I think that was a reach. I think that was too high. Uh, I did not like, like that pick. I did, however, really like Miami Heat picking up Precious. Uh, Precious. A, a Chua? A Chua? God bless me. I don't know. It, what. <laughs> Chua, Chua, uh, the Memphis cat, the other Memphis player that you know that uh, Wiseman was paired up with uh, way back when the college fucking season started a year ago, and that I think they, I think the Heat nailed it. Twentieth pick, that guy probably has you know top ten, top fifteen level talent. Uh, that's I think that's a big win for them. They were and they, he and was in signed the, everybody as well. He was in people's top ten, yeah, in top fifteen. So you're so right, it's a steal. Yeah, um, and I think he's a Heat guy as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's that kind of guy. Like, this could be the next Udonis Haslam for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. I like that call. Uh, real quick, back to our bashing of Patrick Williams. Do you know what he averaged in college? Dude, he I, he never started, so it's probably like six points a game or something like that. Nine and four, bro. Yeah, it gets yeah. you the fourth pick in the draft. Can't, and OB goes eighth, bro. I cannot believe it. I really can't. And, I again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm saying – it's just, man – I don't know, dude. The, there's, a, there's a couple guys that went really late that I do expect to make some serious impact and have these 10 to 12-year, uh, you know, 15-year kind of like Derek Fisher-ish careers potentially. Um, Nico Mannion going to the Warriors, I think I it's phenomenal. That. I think it's phenomenal. I think if he's going to learn from anybody, why not have him learn from Steph? Um, and he doesn't – there's no pressure on him. He's going to have zero pressure. Uh, so if he can, you know, reach his potential – I think this is the best possible spot for him to go. So that's big. Uh, but the uh, the other one was there, there's a couple. Cassius win both Cassius's went back to back. Cassius Winston um, from Michigan State went to Oklahoma City, and that guy is phenomenal. I think there might have been a trade there, uh, but Cassius Winston's going to be an NBA player for a very long time. You're saying OKC made a trade? Shocking. Yeah, I have no idea where any of their draft picks. They have so many draft picks. They might have traded him. I don't know. Uh, and then right after that, uh, Cassius Stanley 
mm-hmm. a guy that we've talked about before, went 54th. I know. And for you to get Gerald Green, essentially, like a preloaded Gerald Green uh, at the 54 overall draft pick, I think that's another steal. Uh, big shout out to Indiana for getting him there. I think that kid is going to be a pro for a very long time. Uh, other than that, shout out to my other Arizona guy, Josh Green, 18th overall addition to the Mavericks. That's going to be big. They need him on the wings. I love it. So can we get into free agency and trades? Because there was Let's a get lot. Into it. Let's so get into I, it. I think it was Tuesday that free agency or that you can start making trades. Uh, yeah, trades happened, I think, on Monday. Okay, uh, so Monday, at, like after afternoon. Okay, so it's funny because first things first is the Bucks out the gate just trade for trade for Drew, right? Yeah. Uh, who'd they give up? They gave up Bledsoe and George Hill and a couple picks. And three first round picks, right? Yeah. yeah. And automatically out the gates because today's the day that they can officially offer uh, Giannis his max at two thirty, five year extension at two thirty for the super max. So the first day of trading the bucks go in and get the best guy i think that was available was drew i wanted him really bad that just goes to show you boom we're going after drew and so then i get on a live stream with our basketball news guys who wants to talk trades and talk about the drew thing and it's me alex kennedy uh and i think spencer and we were discussing the trades and i blatantly go out and say we, we got into bogdan to bogey and I'm like, there's no way that, that Sacramento is getting rid of Bogey. I go on record. Like, I literally stamped it with my fist. I'm like, there is no way that the Sacramento Kings get rid of Bogey. And mid during our live stream, Spencer interrupts our conversation and says, uh, Bogey's been traded for, uh, was it Ilyasova? Um, who else was it, dude? I have it written Even down. Chenzo and C.J. Yeah. Wilson. C.J. Wilson. Uh and I was shocked, right? And I'm like, damn, right out the gates, they get Drew and, and Bogey. And I'm like, damn, that's, that's humongous. You're going all in. Because if Giannis doesn't sign uh, this extension, you've just given up, you know, your corner pieces to your team plus three first-round picks. And uh, you're, unless the Bucks knew, you know, <clears throat> unless they kind of had an inkling that, that Giannis is going to sign. Now, mind you, uh, the NBA is investigating the bogey thing, and it probably might not happen. So bogey's going back to a, a restricted free agent, which might throw a wrench in some things. But I was really just – I was pretty uh, – I don't want to say shocked, just how fast they went out and got these guys, two of the biggest guys that you could possibly get. Perfect fits for Milwaukee. And those are the pieces that we were saying that, that Giannis needs in order to get to the, to the NBA Finals and to potentially win a chip. Yeah, so it's official. The the Bogdan Bogdanovich trade is not happening. Right. Uh, he did not agree to the sign in trade. Uh, it's hilarious. It shows exactly kind of what the Kings organization does at times. They're just like, Damn oh right. yeah, we're we're just going to sign and trade this guy without telling him <laughs> and without having him agree to it. It's like it doesn't it doesn't work that way with a sign and trade. Right. Uh, so that one's out. Uh, the Drew Holiday pick is is pretty solid. I uh, I do think that Milwaukee gave up a lot. They, you know, New Orleans got a lot out of that deal Mm -hmm. and, you know, leave it to David Griffin, the GM for the Pelicans to say, well, Drew Holiday is in very high, high demand. And I, you know, he's the one that controls which door he gets to go through. Uh, And he was, I mean, the fact that they gave up two point, I mean, George Hill and Eric Bledsoe plus three first round that to me. uh, You know, we call that now, Drew. What's that? We call it getting prestied. And we're going to talk about Presti in a minute. That's what yeah, we call I, it. It's exactly what it should be. I mean, at this point, it could also be called 
Griffin because the Lakers gave up a shit ton of our assets and picks as well. So, I mean, both of those organizations are in very similar positions. Obviously, Oklahoma City has more draft picks than the Lakers do for the next 20 years. Um, but the uh, Drew Holiday is a great fit in Milwaukee. They were able to keep Middleton. They're able to keep Giannis, at least for now, um, and, and bring in a guy that answers a lot of the, of the questions that they've had, that people have had about them. Um, I think he, he's the, probably a little bit better defender than both Bledsoe and George Hill. I think he's also uh, significantly better on offense than both those guys, uh, although George Hill has been playing really, really well while he was in my, Milwaukee. Uh, but I do think, I mean, look, it's clear that they shoot, they shot their shot with, mm-hmm. with Drew, and that was the guy they were after. I think they gave up too much. But, you know, if, it, if that's something that Giannis was like, okay, if we get Drew, then I'm, you know, maybe I'm leaning into signing this, you know, give me someone like Drew Holiday, and they go, bang, Drew Holiday's here. Yeah. Then, that's, then you got to give up whatever, you, whatever they demand to make that happen. It's I kind of think, think that they should have gone for Chris Paul, though. I mean, it, look, if, if you're – Chris Paul is obviously getting going to cost more money right now, immediately right now. But I also I think he's a little bit better at running the offense. I think Drew is a little bit more of a shooting guard than he is a point guard offensively. And I think there could be some issues with having him step up and try to run the point guard. Where in, in offenses in the past he's been he's been a shooting guard for several seasons now in, in New Orleans and even before that. Uh, so I, I, you know, if I was Milwaukee, if I was the GM of Milwaukee, I think I probably would have given up that amount for Chris Paul and he probably would have got him. And now granted, obviously if there's decisions being made alongside Giannis and Giannis goes, I don't want Chris, I want Drew and and everyone else is on board with that. And Budenholzer's on board with that. Then fine. You don't think that they would have asked him who they want the same way they asked Kawhi? I, first of all, I don't think – I do. Like, That's what I'm saying. I, I think the only reason they went with that is because they asked the question and it yeah. hasn't been answered. All right, so we ran into some technical difficulties on yesterday's podcast. We recorded a whole show. We only got half of it. So we're re-recording this morning. Uh, but it's actually a good thing because a lot has happened. And I know we just talked about Drew Holiday, but another big pickup, Drew, was, was CP. I mean, Phoenix yeah. picked up his contract – traded for CP. And I think this is a great move. I think it's a great move for Phoenix. Uh, I think that DeAndre Ayton is going to benefit tremendously from CP being there. Um, every single big man that that has played with a CP has thrived. If you think about Tyson Chandler and David West and, and um, uh, DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, and it's going to be great for Booker. This is the vet that, that, that this team needs. And I, I think CP is going to be great for them. Yeah, I agree. This is a home run for for the Suns. I, you know, this is probably the last team that I expected Chris Paul to go to, uh, just because it, it just didn't seem like uh, you know one of the fits. I mean, I, forgive me if I'm wrong. He he might have even came out and, or at one point there was speculation that he either wanted to go back to L.A. with the Clippers or the Lakers, or he wanted to go to New York with the Knicks or the Nets. And Chris goes to the Suns immediately, turns that team into a playoff contender. Um, without a doubt, like they go from the fringes of the playoffs. I mean, they had, they were the only undefeated team in the bubble, you know, with Ricky Rubio, who I feel bad for because Ricky was, was delivering a version of Chris Paul, what Chris Paul can bring. Um, and he was playing his best basketball, uh, I would say of his career in that system in Phoenix and immediately gets bounced. But you know, that's the business of the NBA. You're not going to keep Rubio. Uh, for as much as he was getting paid instead of bringing Chris Paul in, who's immediately going to turn your franchise into a legitimate playoff team. 
I don't see them necessarily finishing as high as, you know, a four or five seed, but I do expect them to make the playoffs. And I expect them to compete with the likes of, you know, the, the, that bottom chunk where it's probably going to be, you know, Golden State, uh, you know, uh, Memphis is going to be in there. New Orleans is going to be in there. You assume, you know, Minnesota might try and do something. Sacramento might try and do something. So it's just going to be that, 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 I mean, the West is so difficult as it is. And it just got even harder now with the Suns getting this huge entity. Um, and I think this is going to be huge for, for Devin Booker. Um, I think, I think right now, if you look at Devin Booker, uh, if he wants to become the kind of player that James Harden has turned into Chris Paul is exactly who's going to help him get there. So as far as that goes, uh, I think Booker should be excited. Uh, I think the Suns organization, this is one of the biggest trades that they've had. This is exciting stuff. And I'm excited to see Chris Paul, uh, you know, unlock Aiton and, and just really push Booker to the next level. It goes full circle for Ricky Rubio who ends up back in, in Minnesota, uh, which, is, which I think he's going to be, be fine there as well. I think what was shocking about it, especially for Suns fans, is they actually spent the bread on Chris Paul you know, or, or took on that contract, and they're really not uh, known for doing something like that. But you're, you're totally right. They're, that bottom six, seven, eight in the playoffs, and the Phoenix is going to be right there. Uh, so you and I were speaking – couple days ago when when Gordon Hayward declined his player option at 34 million and with Boston and we were kind of shocked talking about it because we didn't think obviously he's playing for the for the long term right he was looking for uh, another big deal I didn't think it was going to happen and as of yesterday Hayward got four year 120 from Charlotte this is so shocking to me it's so shocking because a I don't think that uh, I, I mean I don't think he's worth 120 million and you know, I'm, I've always talked about, I don't, I'm just not a huge Gordon Hayward fan and I, and uh, spending it on him in Charlotte. And I just thought that why not at least try to get Brandon Ingram or somebody like throw, throw an offer at Ingram and see if the Pelicans will match. Cause I'm thinking you have LaMelo ball there and I'm just not seeing this superstar backcourt of Gordon Hayward and, and LaMelo ball. What are your thoughts on that? This is shocking. The amount of money that he got on this deal after the injury and then the struggles, the very, you know, real public struggles that he's had at becoming, you know, getting back to the level that he was at. Um, I'd never, I never thought he was going to get a hundred million dollar deal. No way. No way. I thought maybe, you know, three years for 70 or, you know, three years for 60, something along the lines of what Danilo Gallinari got. Uh, was probably what I was thinking that Gordon would get, which is still fantastic. But he doubled that, dude. I mean, $120 million from the Charlotte Hornets for a guy that is clearly not the same player that he was when he was garnishing max contracts makes absolutely no sense. And I think your call uh, for them to at least go knock on the door, knock on Brandon Ingram's door and see, hey, how's four, how's four years $120 million sound? Come play, you know, in Charlotte. Come, I mean, he went to Duke. It's not like he's unfamiliar with the state of North Carolina. To me, before you go ahead and stamp the deal for Hayward, you might as well go ahead and, and at least look around a little bit further for a guy who's, I mean, Brandon Ingram's like 24 years old. In, in his peak, he's playing his best basketball right now. Then you have a young backcourt of Ingram and LaMelo. They can grow together, you know, and and tell the Pelicans to match that. Okay. Give, how about twenty five million? You got that in your bet in in the bank? Match that. 
I think this is this is the problem that Michael has had, Michael Jordan has had as an owner is decisions like this, right? He lets Kemba go because he doesn't want to pay Kemba the 125 or the 200 million or whatever. And, and you know, he goes to Boston, has a pretty good year, but also that, that actually looks like a pretty solid move, letting Kemba go because he has this hip, you know, these knee and hip problems. So, okay, maybe that one makes sense. You bring in Rozier, you got this guy, Devontae Graham. Now you draft another point guard, LaMelo, and then you slide in Gordon Hayward. I, I honestly think they're probably going to try and move Hayward to like a small forward position. Um, and my guess is that they may try to run some, some sort of like point forward stuff uh, potentially to get him uh, involved a little bit more with, you know, running the, running the offense at the top and having LaMelo come off screens or something like that. But look, this is, you know, if they're, if, if they're in need of veteran leadership, which I, I think that they are, Gordon Hayward will help with that. Uh, but Gordon Hayward's going to this team not to be uh, number two or three option behind LaMelo and whoever else. If he's getting that money and he's going there, I'm assuming he thinks he's going to be the number one option. Right, and right. he's going to jack 20 to 25 shots a game. Um, so I think this is a big mistake. Uh, I do think that if you're a team like the Knicks – or, you know, a team like the Pistons or a team like the, the Pacers or the Cavs, Gordon Hayward might have made some more sense to go there. Not for that amount of money. No one should have offered him $120 million at this state of his career. Uh, but those teams, to me, made more sense as a landing spot. Uh, but, look, you know, we're, we're going to see what this means. And my guess is that that means that uh, Charlotte is still not done dealing. I mean, you probably got to get rid of one of those other point guards, uh, whether get it's you or, or Graham. You have to get rid of the Batum contract. That's what you have to get rid of, $27 million, right? And, again, like you just said, they have they got three, four guards on that squad. And, you know, Rogier, who we, we discussed, like Clippers were exploring that. I don't want, I don't want to do that at all. But you're, you're totally right. They got to get rid of one of those guards because Rogier really didn't work, isn't really working out there. And he's getting, I think, 16 mil or something like that. Uh, and obviously, Devontae is going to be the guy. Um, but, I mean, Gordon bet on himself. We all just thought, wow, turning down 34 mil. They must have known something, though. His agent must have known something. Like, hey, we turned this down, but we can still probably get you 100. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the truth of the matter is that the shooting guard and small forward position in this offseason is shallow. There's just not a lot there. I mean, we're talking about Brandon Ingram. He's clearly the, the, the best player at that position, uh, but he's still a restricted free agent. So his agents are going, look, let's, let's, let's opt out. Let's see what happens. Let's see what we can go with. And they, they had to have known that he was going to get more than the $40 million, you know, 36 that he was, he was owed. Um, and this was a big, I mean, if you're, if you're Gordon Hayward and you're the Gordon Hayward's agent, this is a huge home run. I mean, like for personally for them, it's, this is massive. It's a windfall of $120 million that, that literally came out of nowhere. So um, I will be interested to see what kind of role he has. I'll be interested to see where Batum lands, like where, where he ends up in the NBA, because he's still relatively serviceable player. Uh, but that's another example. That's an, it's an exact perfect example of a small forward shooting guard that shouldn't have gotten a deal that size from Charlotte. So, I mean, we could be going down the same exact road of middling production for Gordon Hayward stepping right into middling production that that was produced by but by Batum so who knows well our boy Scoop B reported last night to 
that the Lakers might be might take on the the Batum contract. Speaking of the Lakers, I we got to I mean we got to talk about it, Drew. I'm going to let you take it cuz I don't even want to mention the man's name right now, okay? I don't want to mention his name. Okay. I'm calling um, actually I'm going to name him Benedict the Benedict Arnold of basketball, okay? Go. Yeah. This was definitely the most shocking move. More shocking than Gordon Hayward uh going to Charlotte and getting all this money was was Montrez Harrell, who we, broke my heart, bro. For for uh, for two years, we were talking about how Trez is going to get eighty, ninety, a hundred million dollars for four or five years, and you know if that was going to be the case, the Clippers probably can't hold on to him. Uh, but no, he doesn't take eighty. He doesn't take ninety. He takes twenty for two years and stays in Los Angeles, jump ship, and comes home to the Lakers. Uh, so this is a big win. I mean, we were looking at the Lakers were looking at uh, this is a big win for the Lakers. Let me let me let me clarify. The Lakers were looking at, you know, JaVale McGee uh, opting in for his player option, keeping him. We were we were ready to sign Dwight Howard again to another one year deal. He even tweeted out that we were going to sign him. And then it, immediately he gets picked up by the Sixers because we go, hey, I think we're going to get Trez for nine million dollars a year. Can you believe that? No, I can't believe that. That's outrageous. Of course, we're going to take Trez at $9 million a year and, and, and let Dwight Howard go. This is, I, there's no, I don't think there's a single person on the planet who would have predicted that Montrez Harrell would go to the Lakers this year for a two-year deal that was way underpaid for what he would garnish, I think, in a normal season. Uh, but clearly, uh, for Trez, he wants to stay in Los Angeles. And he clearly wanted to leave the Clippers for whatever reason and join this Laker team. And I think it's I think it's because he wants a chip. I got to be honest with you. He wants he wants to go he wants to go to the winning squad, the winning organization. And he made the right move. And I I can't believe we stole him from you. It's he outrageous. Made, I, I I was shocked and heartbroken, dude. Really, I would any any other team, dude. You know, and I had to learn from Twitter from Pat Bev, who was shocked just as shocked. Right? Um, look. Montrez has been playing for the Lakers since the second round of the playoffs, if you really think about it. Okay. So uh, I'm not going to speak bad. I'm not going to speak too bad about him. It's a business, right? Um, and again, I bring this up a lot. Uh, nothing shocks me anymore, especially being a Clipper fan. Um, I just thought he had more loyalty than that. And again, I keep saying loyalty. Like I posted something about John Wall wanting out of uh, Washington now after they dropped 170 million on him and hasn't played a game in two years pretty much um not only am i shocked that he became a laker but the deal like we would have definitely given him that money i don't understand and like you said there might have been something internally like we have a brand new coaching staff maybe we're going another direction offensively you know uh defensively offensively obviously he was undersized for the position that we were playing him at at center right and um, you know, I had an interesting stat that somebody sent me. So during the playoffs, Clippers were minus 68 with Trez on the floor and plus 123 with him off of the floor, right? Wow. Yeah, which is – that's pretty intense, right? And looking at it, you know, maybe he's not the right piece for us. I just felt that, like, we gave him this opportunity. We kind of gave him – again, you're the player and you're the guy that creates your own 
you know, you know, you're the you're the freaking player. The, the the coach and the owner isn't the one playing on the floor. We gave you a great opportunity. Uh, you you ran away with it. You become the sixth man of the year. And clutch again. He's clutch. He's a clutch sports guy. Uh, to say that there's not some tampering involved with you know you know LeBron, you know AD, you know these guys. Like there's video of of Trez like during the bubble or during COVID like working out at the Lakers facility because it was open and you're doing these runs with the guys like so there was already some uh some friendship going on there or whatever and all it takes is one fucking phone call from LeBron right hey dude come over here come get this chip so I'm upset but on the other end of it last night we picked up Serge Ibaka right we wanted Serge Ibaka uh and we got him and I think he's perfect for for what we need, right? He's not Montrez Harrell, but he's a guy that can body up. He's got a jumper, veteran leadership. He's a champion. And I think he's going to fit in perfectly for what, what the Clippers have going on right now. I definitely think we, we need a couple more pieces, but the, the, the pool is getting very thin right now, Drew, and we're going to go over some signings here in a minute. Uh, All the players that I was interested in have all been picked up. So moving forward, I don't know what the Clippers are going to do. I feel like the Clippers were blindsided here. Uh, I do. I feel like this this was so shocking. I mean, for Pat Bev to have that reaction kind of tells you that there was limited communication. Um, he, you know, Pat Bev's one of the leaders of the team. You and obviously, I think he he's you know friends with Trez because their history goes all the way back to Houston. You know, getting Serge was was big, uh, but that was like a scramble like replacement. I, I think the thing that I keep going back to in my mind is the altercation that happened in the bubble between Paul George and and Trez. And I truly think that this says more about Trez's uh, view of Paul George and the, the way that the organization is treating Paul George in comparison to him than it does over anything else. More than the coaching, uh, more than Kawhi Leonard, more than you know the front office or the owner or anything like that. I think Trez has a problem with Paul George. Uh, and I think equally, you know, Trez played equally as bad as Paul George did in this bubble. But I do think there's something more about that in particular instance uh, where they had that exchange, that verbal exchange on the bench. And I know that that's, that had to have been lingering, uh, you know, it, that had to have been built up over the entire course of the season. Watching Paul George get this superstar treatment and then not deliver superstar level performances I that can only anger you know players like Trez who's during the regular season you, you could say that he was just as good as Paul George it, it it blows my mind I am so happy as a Laker fan I just like I, I don't think we needed Trez like this was this was such a big surprise like I it was so beyond the the realm of possibility uh for us to get him that it wasn't you know it's like, holy shit, did we just do that? I, I, don't, I don't even understand. And now we have by far, I think we have by far the best team in the NBA, like better than Brooklyn, who good luck with that shit, Brooklyn. Uh, we're better than the Clippers. We're better than Milwaukee. I still think we're better than Milwaukee. I, you know, we are geared for round two. Let's go back to back. It's going to happen. We're, I think we're going to do it again. This is it. And that was a huge piece that we did not deserve to get that we just landed. You know, what's funny though, is like, I was thinking about, 
we always talk about Draymond Green. Like, if Draymond went to another team, like, he wouldn't be the same player as Draymond Green on the Golden State Warriors, right? He just fits. And I said the same thing about Trez. Like, okay, if Trez goes to Milwaukee or to, you know, any other team, you'd think, nah, he's just, it's just not going to work. Like, he doesn't, it's not the right system for him. But then it's like, okay, go to the fucking Lakers. He's going to thrive, right? He's going to absolutely thrive. And yes, Trez is limited offensively, but, you know, most of his buckets are off pick and rolls and now you have like a really good pick and roll player good point guards that can distribute the ball Trez is going to be just fine over there and it hurts bro it definitely hurts that it was the Lakers especially going after going through uh you know everything he went through with his grandma we saw all the support from Clipper Nation all the support from the teammates during the bubble that he was talking about Lou and Pat Bev and everybody coming out saying yo we're even when Trez was gone for a month they were texting every single day hitting him up making sure you're okay right so I think I totally agree with you with, with uh, what you said is there must be something internally. Um, obviously, the Clippers had chemistry issues. It was, it was well documented. That's what everybody was talking about. And maybe that, that's exactly why he jumped ship. So uh, you're definitely right. The Lakers do have the best team in the NBA as long as they stay healthy and whatnot. Um, I kind of want to talk about a different team. Anyways, good luck, Trez. Benedict hold, on, hold on. Before we move off the Lakers, I do want to touch on a couple other pieces that we, that we brought in. Um, so now we have Trez. We've also traded Danny Green away and we got Dennis Schroeder. We have signed Wes Matthews, uh, and we're looking to sign one more big. And all the talk right now is that we're also going to get Marcus Gasol, uh, who, who had been assumed to be going back to Spain. Um, so not only is Trez just an addition to what we have, it looks like we're going to lose Rondo, but we re-signed KCP. So, like, everything is working towards, like, completing this roster much quicker than I expected, uh, and we're, which is great because the season is around the corner. So you need the team to be solidified. You need to know who's on the squad. You don't want any of those huge last-minute additions to throw a wrench in the chemistry that you've developed uh, before training camp starts here in, a, in like, a week. Um, so this, this is exciting as I've been for, for Lakers' chance at a repeat. Yeah, I'm really excited for you, Drew. Thanks for stealing the benefit <laughs> of the basketball. Uh, a, a team I want to talk about real quick is Atlanta. Okay, Atlanta, there's some teams that made a lot of moves like Denver did well. I mean, the Pistons were really active. They I don't think they got better, but they were signing players and whatnot. But check out Atlanta. So if everything goes correctly, uh, they got this is this will be their starters. Young Herder, Gallo, Collins and Capella. Okay, it's a nice starting five. Bench would be Rondo, Dunn, Reddish, Hunter, uh, the the rookie Big O. And then they're going after – they offered Bogey, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, an offer sheet for four years, $72 million. And the Sacramento Kings got, got to match that. But if they get Bogey, that's a squad in the East, dude. Definitely. If, if Atlanta gets Bogdanovich, that immediately um, – to me, that immediately pushes them into that – that seven, eight seed that they've been searching for for the last, I don't know how many freaking years since Joe Johnson was there. I don't, I don't see Sacramento letting him go that easy because that's an offer sheet that they can come up with. Um, and it, they've seemed to be really high on him. I, I mean, until that first minute where they were willing to trade him to Milwaukee. So who knows? Like it, there's clearly um, a, a gap between what the media and what our expectations of what the Kings are going to do and what they're actually doing, which has been the case 
you know, for the last 20 years, they're, they're, they're a crazy weird organization, but I would be surprised if they let him, if they let, if the Kings let Barnes go for that amount of money, he's well worth that amount of money. If they let him go to Atlanta, that's a huge pickup for them. That's exactly what they need. They need another score. And they're, and the fact that they got Rondo is going to be big for them. That's that veteran leadership. Trey Young's going to learn a shit ton from Rondo. If, if, if Rondo is the same Rondo that was on the Lakers last year and not the Rondo that was on the Dallas Mavericks a couple seasons ago. Uh, but, you know, assuming you, you have to assume that Rondo wanted to go there, right? Since he, since he signed, it was a free agent move. It wasn't like he was traded or forced there. Um, so anyway, I do think that they're building a very interesting, exciting core. Bogdanovich would be a huge, would be a huge pickup from them. I just, I think that they have to have someone else in their back pocket um, because they can't rely on just getting Bogdanovich on an offer sheet like that. Well, Gallo, I mean, you got Gallo. That's that was a huge pickup, and Atlanta is a great city to play for, and people want to play with Trey Young. He's a good. I mean, he's the next guy up. So, um, we got to give a shout out to our boy up in Toronto, actually Tampa Bay now. Van Vliet, undrafted champion, said he wanted the bag, and he got the bag like the Raptors should have done. Um, they paid the man what he's worth, and big shout out to Van Vliet. You know, he des- he deserves it. Yeah, this I think this was the best possible scenario for the for the Raptors because uh, you know Van Vliet is is a unique player, uh, you know, with his size, uh, but his scoring ability and his defensive ability way outperforms his you know physical stature, um, and he's clearly a great fit in in Toronto. I mean, the system that they have is fantastic. I thought that when they when Toronto drafted Malachi Flynn that that was going to be like all right thanks thanks Fred appreciate your time we got the new version of you coming in right now uh, but really what i think that Malachi Flynn draft was was for ushering uh, Kyle Lowry out after his deal is done you hand that that ball and that captaincy to Fred Van Vliet and then you got Malachi Flynn right there playing a similar role um, so this is this is big, uh, and who knows, you know, what Kyle Lowry is going to garnish. Uh, I think it's next year that he's a free agent. Um, but th- this is this is the Raptors doing what the Raptors do. They're they're locking down their guys that they see that they that they feel are intricate into their performance. And you know, I, they haven't made very many moves. It's clear that they lost Gasol and Ibaka now. Uh, so I, do you know if they've signed any bigs at this point? I'm, there's so much happening that it's hard for me to keep up with everything. Have they signed anybody else? I, I'm not sure. I can't, again, I can't keep up. I don't know how these guys are keeping up, too. So we had a on our live stream last night, we had an argument. It wasn't an argument, but Dishes and Dimes, who's from Toronto, they absolutely love Kyle Lowry, especially my girl Iman, like, loves Kyle Lowry. And the question that Alex had proposed was, like um, – is has Kyle passed the torch to Fred Van Vliet? And I'm like, yeah, I think it's already been done. Like it's, it's obvious with the contract he got. And then they jumped in the conversation and we're just so upset that I said that. And I mean, you, you agree with me though, right? Like the torch has been passed to Van Vliet. I understand how important Kyle Lowry is. And I love Kyle Lowry. I do. We've talked about, it. I know you're not a big fan of Kyle Lowry. I know you think he's, I mean, he flops. A lot of people hate when he flops, but that's part of the game. But I don't, I don't think I'm wrong with what I said. No, no, the transition's in place. I mean, you can argue semantics over is it is the torch now in Fred Fleet's hands or is it still in like are in it are they passing it? Do they have both hands on the torch? All that nonsense. It's clear that they're setting themselves up like good organizations should do 
for when a player starts to get to an older level and, and, and starts to lose a little bit of, of that athleticism that naturally happens when you start getting into your 30s, it, it only makes sense for them to tee up the next guy, and they're clearly doing that. And I thought they did a great job with landing him. I, I'm actually surprised. You know, $85 million is pretty good, but I thought, that, I thought that he might get a little bit more love and get up into that, like, Gordon Hayward level <laughs> of 120. I mean, shit, if Gordon Hayward's worth 120, Fred Van Vliet's also worth $120 million. Um, so I think, I think Toronto did a great job in keeping him. I think they did a great job in, in, in keeping the money that they're paying him relatively low. Um, so this is, I think this is a win-win um, all, around the, all around the board there for them. You know, like I said, Van Vliet was undrafted. We all know this. And there was some uh, – he was giving some speech. He was at some party. I don't know where this was, but I actually watched it this morning. And, like, he could have been drafted. He had offers to get drafted, but the, whatever team that drafted him said, you know, you're probably going to be in the G League for two or three years, making ten, twenty thousand dollars 20000 a season. And Van Vliet just bet on himself and became a champion and now got the payday. A whole country loves this guy. Toronto fans are – ecstatic and they're great fans up there so big ups to him um i got a i got a sleeper squad not necessarily a sleeper but two two picks that this are not picks but two moves the celtics made jeff teague and tristan thompson and i think those are perfect players for boston they got tristan at the mid-level for two years 19 leaving kevin love completely alone in cleveland and i know they were really close extremely close and tristan got to get out um Yet another player the Clippers and Lakers were both looking at in Tristan Thompson. He goes to Boston. But the Jeff Teague pickup, too. Solid moves by the Celtics. Yeah, the, the, the Celtics got their guy. I mean, there's been rumors about them trading for Tristan Thompson the last two seasons. And they finally got their, like, defensive presence, big man presence uh, that they've been looking for. Like, when, when you look at their lineup, it's clear that they just lack defensive rebounding. And if there's one thing that Tristan Thompson can bring to the table, it's defensive rebounding and offensive rebounding. Um, it, they were able to get Cantor out and, and move Cantor to Portland, who I think will do great in Portland. He loves it there. He's been there before. Gee, I mean, how many times has that guy been around the league? Cantor. I mean, it's like, geez, it's like a merry-go-round. Every time free agency comes up, he's moving. Um, but Tristan is going to be huge for them. They, can, they still have Tice. Um, and they still, and now they have Tristan, and they can rotate those guys um, nicely. Um, and then Jeff Teague is is a really solid player. He's been a very solid NBA player his whole career. He's never really cracked into that starter level um, as far as that's concerned. But if you're talking about uh, Kemba Walker needs 15 games because his knees are hurting and you want to rest him, Jeff Teague's very per- like it's a perfect serviceable backup. Um, he'll, he'll step right in and do exactly what you want. The, and Celtics also got rid of Brad Wanamaker, who I know many Celtics fans were not necessarily satisfied with him as the backup point guard. I so I think, you know, when you're looking at when you're looking at the two, you know, the two needs that the Celtics had going into this draft, being a big man and a point guard, they immediately addressed that in, in free agency. And then of course they did draft Peyton Pritchard uh, from Oregon, uh, a really tough kind of, quintessential white boy point guard for, for the Boston fans to rally behind. Um, so I think, I think they're doing really good stuff. And, and of course they got, we talked about Neesmith earlier, Danny Ainge still proving to be one of the best GMs in basketball. Uh, the Celtics are going to be exactly where they were last year. I think, I think there's a good chance that they still stick into that three, four seat. You know, it really is going to be difficult to, to nail down how good 
Milwaukee, uh, Brooklyn, and Philly are going to be, especially all the moves that Daryl Morey has now made um, in Philadelphia. Uh, but the Celtics are, are as good as ever, and they still have young two uh, tandem of, of Brown and, and Tatum. And that's, you know, that's exactly what you're looking for if you're a Celtics fan. Bucks picked up Torrey Craig, too. I wanted him. I, that was one of the guys I had my eye on. Huge pickup. Huge pickup. How many roster spots did the Bucks have? Every time I open my Instagram, it's like, oh, Bucks have signed this guy. Bucks have signed this. It's like, do they have 22 players? Are they allowed to, to do a 22-player roster this year? It's unbelievable. They're making moves. That's a huge pickup, though. I think Torrey Craig, who really did – it didn't really – I mean, when he's playing in Denver, it was working, but it's going to be great for the Bucks. I think it got young talent. The dude plays defense. You know, I, I'm I'm a fan of that move. They're doing everything they can to to keep Giannis for sure. Yeah, I just, I mean, I'm I I know that they had a lot of kind of like one year deals and mm-hmm. and some free agents. Like when they when they threw this team together this last year, it was them essentially running it back, and now they're. They're moving a lot of pieces around. They let go of Ilya Sova. They let go of, of uh, Robin Lopez, uh, who I know that's going to hurt Brooks' heart. Um, but, you know, every I'm, I'm dead serious. Every time I look at my phone, it's like Milwaukee has another player that they've signed. So, you know, they're, they're trying their best. It's clear that they're scrambling and trying to deliver the best possible team to, to take this team and Giannis as far as possible to make sure that he's comfortable in resigning there. What else you got, Drew? You got anything else on this one? I do, I, I do want to mention the Sixers. Uh, they got rid of Horford's contract, which we all thought was going to be nearly impossible. We thought that was going to be the contract that killed him. Um, and, of course, Del, Del Morey, one week into the job, he's like, I got this. I, I got this handle. Horford, <laughs> Horford's out. Richardson's out. We have a completely new roster, um, and they're still able to keep Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I cannot explain how excited I am to see someone of the like this is what we've been waiting for brett brown elton brand and before that whoever whoever it was the gm there the the, the, the one whose wife was just tweeting nonsense the whole time oh my god um this is what this organization has desperately needed finally someone who knows what the fuck they're doing in charge and you know the process was was once one version of the of the sixers existence there for about five or six years and now we're into the process actually looking to be finished and, and deliver some sort of championship or at least the finals appearance that, that the Philly fans have been longing for forever. And I don't think these moves are done, but those moves we thought were impossible happened so fast. Um, I, I just, I'm so excited to see what Daryl Morey does with the team on the court and how he uses the pieces that he now has. Um, and, I mean, the Seth Curry trade Seth as Curry well. That's huge. That's, that's about as big of a pickup to me as it is getting rid of Horford. Uh, I, I don't think you can wait either one of those, um, you know, any higher because Horford was clearly not a fit there. And Seth Curry is so perfect for that team. It's amazing. Um, so anyway, I just have to, I have to bring up uh, Daryl Morey, Elton Brand, and, um, and you know, now that you got Doc, you got Doc there. Mm-hmm. This team is going to be scary. Uh, I forgot to mention Donovan Mitchell got uh, the five-year extension, 163, as we kind of thought that was going to happen. Good for him. Um, you know, this podcast is one of the most difficult podcasts we've had. This is taken four. This one show took four days to make, so we appreciate everybody 
uh, Baron with us on this one. Check us out on basketballnews.com. If it, uh, obviously, we're going to be back in a couple days with some updates on everything. Training camp, December 1st, next week pretty much, Drew. It's coming right around the corner. Uh, we're going to take him out with my boy Moray out of North Kakalaki. This is the jam. It's called Quicksand. Turn it up. Bang it. So follow through with Clips and Drew, and we're ghost. Since it's just the time with a kickstand Thinking never plan to get quick bands Falling in deep with the quicksand Flag on my ass, no quick brand I was packing on the pound, got my way up Hot beef in the streets, I can stay up Betty Crocker show me how to bake a cake, bro Doing that put everything I love a steak, bro Since it's just the time with a kickstand Thinking never plan to get quick bands Falling in deep with the quicksand Flag on my ass, no quick brand I was packing on the pound, got my way up Hot beef in the streets, I can stay up Betty Crocker show me how to bake a cake, bro Steak, bro. Back in the day, man, a nigga had ripped jeans Couldn't afford a new pair, I had broke seams Couldn't think about the money, I had broke dreams Outfit was the match of a crack fiend I was trying to be fly, couldn't take off Coast falling on my ass, lost weight, dog. No jacket in the winter, had to shake, dog. Then I said, fuck it, cause something gon' have to shake, dog. Then my nigga Bobby put me on a quick lick Wasn't a lie, but enough for a quick fix Interception, I was stealing, caught me a pick six In the snow, bitch, a roll, bitch, it was brick dick Never killed, I ain't gonna lie, I was tempted He was a target, but he lucky that I missed it I was always fucking up was a misfit, my opportunity was knocking and I missed it Young when I hopped off the stoop, two doors where I flow if I hop in the coop Too sore from a war where I couldn't lose, got scars and bruises, man I got the proof Resemble you yeah, still cause I got the juice, you think you too park, let our markets loose Step in no nest with my Timberland boots, I'm planning, I'm stable, I'm growing in roots Since it's just the time with a kickstand, thinking never plan to get quick bands Falling in deep with the quicksand, flag on my ass, no quick brand I was packing on the ground, got my weight up, Show me how to bake a cake, bro. Doing that, put everything I love at stake, bro. Since it's just the time with a kickstand, thinking never plan to get quick bands. Falling in deep with the quicksand. Flag on my ass, no quick brand. I was packing on the pound, got my weight up. Hot beef in the streets, had to stay up. Betty Crocker, show me how to bake a cake, bro. Doing that, put everything I love at stake, bro. I remember chilling that one of my little bitch crew. About the fuck, about the nut, man, cause what the fix since. A nigga came through, he was all on some bitch shit. Didn't know I was rolling, my hand was so gifted. Boy, how many times had to get him a mix quick? Couple knocks made him drop like he drunk and we lifted. Fought another nigga after I thought was some kinship. Throwing up both of our sets was ended the friendship. Get respect, neck the neck, my nigga didn't back down. Had him standing up, then he ended the back down. His hands in my life, now they ended up flat now. Flat like a wing, let's see if he flat now. Had enough, it was up when he lasted for one round. KD on the bench, equipped with the trade pound. Made him run, it was funny, but scared of the gun sound. Made him shit, he a bitch by the car, he would duck down. I ain't got no time for the fakes. The phonies, jabronies, the ops, all the jakes. My homies, the only who come past the gate. I'm whacking the weeds, cutting hands off the of snakes. I'm hungry, I'm eating right off all your plate. I won't eat, I'm on it, it's my fault to take. I'm stagnant, I'm magnet, I'm staying in place. The reason I'm popping is all up for hate. Since it's just the time with a kickstand. Thinking never plan to get quick bands. Falling in deep with the quicksand. Flag on my ass, no quick brand. Show me how to bake a cake, bro. Doing that, put everything I love at stake, bro. Since it's just the time with the kickstand, thinking never plan to get quick bands. Falling in deep with the quicksand. Flag on my ass, no quick brand. I was packing on the pound, got my weight up. Hot beef in the streets, had to stay up. Betty Crocker, show me how to bake a cake, bro. Doing that, put everything I love at stake, bro. Yeah.